Canada's health minister set to meet in Vancouver starting on Monday. And as they do, the Canadian Medical Association is offering what it calls its prescription of hope. Some immediate steps members say must be taken. Dr. Alika Lafontaine is the president of the Canadian Medical Association. He joins us now. Dr. Lafontaine, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, first off, I mean, you've been in this role now for a couple of months. I mean, you, you, you come into it at a, at a time when the system is under a lot of pressure. There are numerous, numerous cha challenges facing the, uh, the health care system. What's that been like over the past couple of months? You know, I, I think at the very, very top of this, you, you talked about how it feels like we're having the same discussions we've yeah. had before. And, and you and listeners are correct. We do keep on returning <laughs> to the same conversations because we don't actually fix our problems. We wait for them to kind of get less severe and then eventually they, they fall out of people's minds. You know, health, health is a difficult thing to wrap your head around sometimes because unless you work in the system or you're a person who needs the system for something, it doesn't tend to be front of mind. You know, the, the wonderful thing about being in a crisis right now, though, is that there's a lot of motivation to move forward with things that will help because things have gotten so bad. And because we've gone through these cycles so many times, we, we actually know the issues quite well. And we also know the solutions that, that can make a big change for patients and providers. And, you know, that's a big part of what the prescription is about. Yeah, let's talk about some of those solutions that are being suggested uh, in this uh, prescription of hope. And it starts, and one of the top ones is providing retention incentives, reducing administrative burden, strengthen mental health and well-being supports for healthcare workers. When we're talking retention incentives, what does that look like? You know, I, I think it's important to know that all of these things are connected. You know, the working environments that you work in, you know, the amount of clinical versus non-clinical care, that administrative burden that people carry, and then your mental health are, are all connected. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the reason why healthcare providers are burned out is because we're working in environments that are unreasonable and sometimes unsafe. And I, I think that this, this specific call focuses on how can we create better environments for care? How can we make sure that people are valued for the care that they provide? How can we value things that we didn't value before or maybe undervalued? You know, how can we migrate towards ways of providing care that, you know, move us to more, uh, more team-based type systems and, you know, really introduce members of the team that can share the workload so patients can get what they need when they when they present to care at the places that they go. And Dr. LaFontaine, if you take a look at what uh, the, the B.C. government announced, I think just earlier this week about this new payment model uh, in February to try to retain and recruit more family doctors in the province, because we know family doctors, it's a real part of the issue as well. Is that something that um, the CMA would like to see yeah, implemented or copied across the country? You know, I, I think BC is definitely leading the country in having the right kinds of conversations. You know, whether or not this will fix or stabilize the issues that happen at primary care, particularly with family physicians in that province, you know, we, we have to see how these things are operationalized. But I do think asking questions about how do you revalue the things that we value in care? How do you create working environments where, you know, you work in teams and other things? These are all parts of the discussion that they're having right now. When, if it's successful, I mean, we, it, it can be a solution that's used across the country. 
one of the uh, items listed here is creating a virtual care strategy integrated with mm. patient care. Now, we know that virtual care became something that a lot of folks turned to, that we had to turn to during the pandemic. Uh, I'm surprised that, you know, maybe more hasn't been done to capitalize on that. Don't get me wrong. I get the fact that there's a lot of folks that like going into the office, but if we can do it at home, there's an easier way to do it this way. Um, you know, are, are we really lagging on, on this factor? I, I think virtual care can really be unleashed if we can move towards, you know, a national licensure system and we start to work in teams, right? So all these things need to happen in tandem, although we can start at one place. Uh, the other part of virtual care is it needs to be integrated with that in-person care, yeah. you know, and be in that continuum. There, there are certain things that you can use virtual care for that solve your problem, and there's other times that virtual care actually just being re ends up being redundant. You know, you end up having to go to in-person anyway. Differentiating between these things, I, I think, is a conversation that we're starting to have. And we, we know that it's more convenient for patients, for a lot of patients, uh, even those who are older and maybe are, are less digitally uh, literate, you know, they, they still have great experiences with virtual care. And so in places where it's appropriate and where it can solve your problem, uh, definitely the, the CMA uh, calls for increased use of virtual care. Dr. Alika Lafontaine joining me this afternoon, the president of the Canadian Medical Association ahead of the health minister's meeting uh, in Vancouver starting on Monday, putting out really a prescription. This is what they believe, the CMA believes, needs to be done to help the the, the healthcare situation or the, the, the medical situation across the country that we're facing right now. You talk about implementing pan-Canadian licensure to allow physicians to care for patients where they are needed most. Can you expand on that a little bit? Like, I, I'm wondering about that. So if there's a doctor in Alberta who says, okay, you know what, I'm going to go to Ontario because they need more help over there. Is there a challenge just automatically being able to do that? Yeah, so I, I can actually use the example of myself. You know, oh, okay. I, I live in northern Alberta. I'm two and a half hours away from Fort St. John, you know, just across the border. I've been approached by surgeons to be part of a surgical team that, you know, comes in and provides care, you know, for one week during the year or a couple of days during the week at, at odd times that I'm not scheduled in. I'm unable to do that unless I go through a 9 to 12 month registration wow. and that's despite the fact that I've worked for more than 10 years without any huge problems. Well is that a, so, is that a provincial regulation is that a federal regulation? So you know we, we've looked at this within the CMA so provinces can choose and territories can choose to collaborate with each other and the federal government can help enable this through creating tables that people gather around and, and helping with funding and you know the the, the real barrier is people choosing to start to walk down this path. You know, we, we've developed our 13-plus health systems within our siloed jurisdictions yeah. with this belief that we could manage these problems ourselves. And uh -huh. the, the truth is that these crises are just bigger than borders. These are bigger than jurisdictions, and they're bigger than ideology. So we, we really need to lean in and just start implementing these solutions that we know can work. I know our time is tight here, but you talk about borders, and there's one more thing that I wanted to get to because I've always wondered this. My gosh, I have been in, in cabs in, in the city of Edmonton and talking to people who were frontline healthcare workers in in uh, in the, in their home country, and they came here, and 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 it's a challenge to get recertified. Whatever, this is something that I really think needs to be addressed. And we know certainly with the federal government talking about you know opening the doors to more immigrants, like half a you know five hundred thousand over the coming years. This is something that should be a priority. I, I absolutely agree, and, and it is a priority. There there are tables that we're sitting around to help move this forward. 
the same issues that you have with a person from out of the country, an internationally educated health professional, coming within the borders and not being able to go to places where patients beneath their care is the same problem that we, we actually mm-hmm. share as Canadians inside the system trying to, to be mobile throughout, throughout the system. You know, there, there's certain considerations. Not everyone who's trained in other countries has educational equivalencies, but that does not mean that they can't contribute to the healthcare system. And I think it's talking through these questions and getting to answers so people can participate in healthcare, do what they do well, and most of all, that we measure that patients' problems are solved as a result of them engaging with the right kind of health professional at the right time mm. is really where we're pushing for everything to go. Uh, quickly, what are we? What are you hoping? What's the CMA hoping to hear at the wrap of the uh, wrap up of this uh, health ministers conference next week? You know, I, I think we're at an inflection point in the coming months where people will become hopeless where the hope that we currently carry that things can change is really going to start to wane. I'm hoping at the end of the meeting next week that there's some decisive action that that really renews the hope that people have that things can change. And, you know, changing even one of these things could transform everything. Dr. LaFontaine, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.